In this episode, we speak to three global experts on benefits of salt reduction in food, including compelling recent results from a trial in China and implications for other countries. Stay tuned for a deep dive on salt reduction. Welcome to this episode of the, the SCAN podcast. My name is Professor Bruce Neal. I'm based at the George Institute uh, in Australia, and I'm joined today uh, by Dr. Mei Tian and Dr. Zheng Ge, uh, who are uh, based in China. The reason for getting together today is that it's about a year since we presented the results of our salt substitute uh, and stroke study, which really changed the landscape in terms of the evidence available about the effects of potassium-enriched salt on clinical outcomes. Just by way of brief background, uh, the SAS study was a study done in rural China. Uh, it included 21,000 people followed for an average of five years and drawn from 600 villages. We gave half the participants a potassium-enriched salt, um, half continued using regular salt, and we recorded clinical outcomes over the five-year follow-up period. And what we found was very clear evidence that if you use the potassium-enriched salt, you could get protection against stroke, major cardiovascular events, uh, and premature death. And that study received a lot of uh, attention, a lot of interest, and particularly uh, in China. And what we wanted to do today was spend a bit of time talking uh, with Mao Yi and Zeng about how the project has been uh, received in China, what it might mean, and uh, where to um, from here. So maybe I'll come to you first, uh, Mao Yi, if I may. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your involvement uh, with the study, I guess the key findings when the when the project was launched in China, um, how it was received. Sure, thanks, Bruce. I has been involved in the implementations of the SARS trial, but as well as being involved in the um, design as well as the um, dissemination of the SARS results as well. So, Bruce, as you said, uh, when we published the SARS results last year. The results of the SARS immediately became the top headlines in many media channels in China. And we also saw some a lot of people in different, in various backgrounds, starting writing articles, trying to interpret our SARS results. And those people, including the healthcare professionals, public health professionals, as well as the media reporters. And we also did something, you know, Back to the communities, uh, we turn the study results into a summary information, highlighting those key findings using some lay language uh, and share with our study collaborators and study participants uh, for their benefits. In addition to those efforts, uh, we also spent quite a lot of time and efforts to pro- proactively engage with the government officials as well as the industry partners that to disseminate, but also to discuss uh, our study result. What does that really mean for the future public health policy interventions, as well as what is the best roadmap or methods that we can having more people be beneficial of using the potassium-enriched salt? 
let me pick up on that a bit. So, I mean, I think that involvement of not just the academics, but also a broader sort of collaborative group in the trial was, um, you know, it's by no means unique for the way that research is done today, but at the time was sort of a bit different in terms of how we've been doing our research previously. Tell me a little bit about, you know, how that went, how you, how you achieved that in China, getting that engagement during the study. So basically, you know, in terms of the engagement um, that as we, you know, over the time, over the implementation of the SARS-12, we keep our key stakeholders informed in terms of the study progress. Uh, this fact, we don't really have any results being published or available, but we invited them to participate uh, in our uh, study annual meetings like them to feel they are part of the study. And um, we also share some intermediate results, like the um, uh, the interim result from the SARS with those stakeholders during the time of the implementations. And right after the results is become available, we, again, are trying to set up policy roundtables, advocacy programs, bring people all together, share and discuss those results. So that's the way we are trying to use or adapt um, that having more people be aware of the SARS results in China. Okay. Um, Zeng, you work with um, a sort of a big global organization called Resolve to Save Lives, and you've had a, a salt reduction program ongoing in China for several years now. Can, can you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing, um, your work in China? Sure. Um, thanks, Bruce. In China, um, resolve to save lives, exercise practice. So we work with our partner to design and implement um, evidence-based uh, salt reduction strategies, including community communication, intervention, and policy advocacy. Since 2019, uh, we are in collaboration with the, uh, our local partners to develop and conduct uh, a series of salt reduction interventions in different uh, settings, such as communities, schools, uh, canteens, and uh, restaurants, as well as supermarkets uh, in four provinces, Shandong, Anhui, Zhejiang, and Hunan province. Besides this, we also conducted two rounds of salt reduction campaign um, during 2019 to 2021. A series of materials like uh, videos, uh, cartoons, handbooks, and uh, posters were developed and used in field intervention. Can you tell me what have been the, I guess, the what you think are the, the key successes in terms of the salt reduction programs that you've done over the last couple of years? And also, what have been the challenges that you've identified? Uh, during collaboration, we... Um, find that our partners uh, pay more attention to research, not practice. So we work with them and to turn their attention from a research perspective to practice. But there are some challenges. For example, the um, translation of the evidence-based knowledge into practice. They are need uh, localizations, especially during the COVID pandemic. Um, some programs are Whose point? So, and uh, NCD prevention is not priority. 
had previous. Okay, thank you. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with um, the, the RTSL team for a number of years now, both in China and outside of China. And I, I think it's fair to say that um, the Resolve to Save Lives team has been uncertain for many years about the role of potassium-enriched salts for salt reduction. Could you reflect a bit on what your perception of RTSL's thoughts about potassium-enriched salts has been and whether that's been changed by the results of the SAS study? Thank you, Bruce. Quite high. As high as 15 grams per day as emitted by 24-hour urine sample. 2015, and the mean source of salt intake, um, nearly 70% from discretionary salt added at home cooking, and the low sodium salt replacing the regular salt at home cooking is a proven uh, cost-effective and cost-saving strategy to reduce the salt intake. It is one of priorities in result to save lives, and uh, we attempt to scale up is used in more parents in the next phase 2.0. But back to uh, 10 years ago, a lot of effort were made by the government agencies like the Salt Bureau and the Health Department, as well as the salt industry, to promote the low sodium salt in provincial and uh, municipal level, like Shandong province, Beijing, and Shanghai city. However, these efforts were stopped because the national edible salt standard, which requires salt manufacturer to put one language on the pack. I think you must know the content. There are some populations are not suitable for high potassium intake, such as the high temperature work, yeah. the liver works, a renal dysfunction, the hypertensive patient taking antihypertensive drugs. Due to this risk, some key stakeholders especially the government agencies, are reluctant to promote low-sodium salt use in China because they care about the risk. To ease it, more evidence is needed to review the risk and revise the warning language on the pack. So I think the such study filled these gaps on safety issue, hyperkalemia, in a pragmatic way. And I believe it will be um, used for future warning language Yeah, thanks for that insight, because um, certainly the concerns about potassium-enriched salts have been substantive, particularly amongst, you know, I guess, renal physicians who look after people with impaired kidney function, where you can definitely get high levels of blood potassium as as, as a consequence of uh, the consumption of uh, uh, potassium-enriched salt. But it does feel, particularly now off the back of the SAS result, as though those risks were probably, you know, overcalled, which was, was what we suspected. Um, May, if I can come back to you, could you just talk us through a little bit about the, the extent to which SAS was able to address these concerns about hyperkalemia, high blood potassium uh, levels and what we what we concluded at the end of the of, of SAS in regards to safety. Sure. Um, so um, as we conducted SARS trial, um, basically we excluded all very high risk patients to hyperkalemia, that including patients with serious chronic kidney disease um, history. And um, during the implementation of the SARS trial, 
We didn't really test for serum potassium, but we did collect information from the study participants whether they taking any potassium sparing diuretics uh, during the implementation of the um, of the intervention. So um, at the end of the SARS trial, uh, after five years, we didn't really find any significant differences in terms of the risk of hypokalemia between the group who using the potassium enriched salt versus the group who continued their regular salt use. And in addition to that, we also perform sensitivity analysis. Basically, we classify those sudden deaths as a cause from hypokalemia into our analysis. And we also didn't really find any significant differences in terms of between the intervention group versus control group. So in conclusion, we, make a conc- we conclude that among the SARS participants, there was no harm of using the potassium enriched salt in the SARS participants. And we think the potassium enriched salt is safe from what we found from the SARS trial. Yeah, look, I think that that point you make about how we included people and how we how we manage potential risk is a really important one because you know what we didn't do in SAS, as, as you say, is actually do blood tests on everyone and require everyone to have a detailed clinical consultation. And that was, you know, both because we we felt the risks were likely to be very low, but also because we wanted a result at the end of SAS which would be applicable not just in a clinical setting but in a in a community um, setting and I think it's also worth pointing out that you know the SAS population was older many of them had vascular disease so there were actually potentially a, a higher risk population for occult kidney disease and if you were going to see an adverse effect on hyperkalemia they were probably a group that you would would see it in so the SAS results certainly very reassuring in that regard. May, I know, I know you've also had a series of follow-up discussions with academics, clinicians, government around the SAS results. Um, what's been their take in regard to safety? Do, has it changed, do you think, or, or were they never really concerned about it? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, Bruce. And uh, right after the SAS-12 became available, we tried effort to convene policy roundtable meetings together with the government, salt manufacturer, and other stakeholders in China. The first meeting we convened was back to September 2021. The government acknowledged SARS was rigorously designed, and they also see the positive results from the SARS trial, which can reduce the risk of cardiovascular diseases, but the government is still concerned if the potassium urine rich the salt is absolutely safe for patients with kidney disease in particular. And from the first meeting, it looks like the government won't officially endorse the potassium enriched salt until we have clearer evidence that we can address that remaining issue. But the salt manufacturer seems to be more active in skill up the, the potassium enriched salt. And they are really, really keen to invest. So that including producing more potassium enriched salt using their current resources, as well as to reduce the prices of the potassium enriched salt to a lower price that can 
be as the same as the regular salt. So after a few months, several months after first meeting, and we convene a second meeting, and the attitude from the government seems to be a little bit more open. And I think that might be due to the SARS results reached to more people. And there are new study results generated from the SARS-12, including the cost-effectiveness analysis, as well as the recent published systematic review and meta-analysis. And the government seems like they want to see some experience and results from some pilot uh, implementation study that can test or evaluate a roadmap of skewing up the potassium-rich salt. So over the time, we can clearly see the attitude from the government getting shifted, getting changed. Great. Thanks, Mei. Um, Zeng, the, the, the safety piece is it's really important, and uh, I'd be keen to hear any additional thoughts you've got about how how you're finding the discussion, the debate around benefits versus risks of potassium-enriched salt in the people you're interacting with in China. Is it the same as Maoyi's or is it different? So now we, we work with Chinese Nutrition Society and uh, try to review global evidence and to address the safety issue as well as to develop a strategy how to implement of low sodium salt across China. So now these work are ongoing, and uh, so we hope we can develop it in future. So you, you talked about the, the very important issue of what the labels say on packages of um, potassium-enriched salt. Can you just give us a bit of a sense of what is the process for changing the labels to reflect, I guess, more accurately, the likely effects of potassium-enriched salt on both positive outcomes like cardiovascular events, premature death, but also adverse outcomes like hyperkalemia. What's what's the process in China for achieving that? Now we are still working on it and not determined. So we will review the global evidence and to as well as the effect of low sodium salt trials and the adverse effect uh, cases reported globally, as well as the warning uh, labels, a template around the world, we will develop one scientific consensus low sodium salt warning label. And possible, it will it should include the benefit of low sodium salt, as well as some risk populations that need to exclude. But for the current one in China, it's not scientific. So we need to develop one based on scientific evidence, especially the workers in high temperature environment and the heavy labor physical activity workers. And then possible we need more evidence to determine whether to include or not. Okay, thank you. I, th- I feel like we should just talk briefly about the, I guess, the magnitude of the problem that we're trying to address here, and also the potential size of the the benefits. Um, May, I think you were involved a couple of years ago with a with a modelling paper that tried to project what the likely 
benefits of um, using a potassium-enriched salt might be. Do you just want to talk to, I guess, the sort of the key findings of that and just give that indication of, you know, why, why this is potentially such a, an important topic? Sure, Bruce. And from that morning, we clearly found if we're using, if people from China switch their current regular salt to the potassium-enriched salt annually basis, we can save nearly 1 million cardiovascular events, as well as, you know, many premature deaths due to cardiovascular diseases. So clearly from that modeling study that we can see the benefits of switching the regular salt to the potassium-rich salt will overlay the potential harm for that particular group of people who may get in risk of using the potassium-enriched salt. Yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Mary. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty, a pretty profound finding um, from that study. And we've heard from Mary just now about the potential. What do you think is the actual likelihood that China will switch to the use of potassium-enriched salts at scale? I think, um, I think, Mary, you, you told me the other day that current sales of uh, potassium-enriched salt are less than 1% of all salt sales. So Zeng, what, what do you think is the potential for China to start using salt substitute at scale? Is it, is it good? Is it bad? What are your thoughts? It's also an interesting question. So for the promotion of low-sodium salt, I think government rule is very important and is the key for success or not. To my understanding, the government currently holds a cautious attitude because of there is no large-scale use experience globally and safety concerns I mentioned. But the Healthy China Initiative 2030 encouraged the production and sales of low-sodium salt, as well as but need to strengthen health education on benefit and the risk of low-sodium salt use. And the promotion of low-sodium salt use should be under the guidance of experts. Besides the, the government's attitude, there are more stakeholders. They actively participate in low-sodium salt promotion, like China National Salt Industry Group uh, defines this year, 2022, as a low-sodium salt year and develop a series of low-sodium salt videos and to actively conduct health education campaign on low-sodium salt promotion. But there are also some challenges besides the safety issue. There will also uh, about the affordability and uh, availability. And the price of low-sodium salt is quite higher than regular salt. So it will discourage the people, especially price-sensitive population, to use it and to benefit from it, especially in rural areas. And the low-sodium salt sold in the supermarket in urban areas is common, but uh, barely any low-sodium salt products in convenience stores or village stores. So I think we should conduct uh, more policy advocacy work and uh, to gather more evidence, as well as cultivate more, more champions to support for the low-sodium salt um, using China. Thanks. I mean, really interesting observations there about sort of, you know, availability and a whole series of sort of, I guess, sort of business sort of supply chain issues from 
the manufacture, the distribution, the price of potassium-enriched salt. And, uh, you know, we've certainly noticed in a study we did a few years ago that if potassium-enriched salt was priced at the same price as regular salt, it was much more likely to be used than if it was more expensive. What is the potential in China to, I guess, subsidize the price of potassium-enriched salt to the price of of regular salt, Zeng? Is is that something that might be possible, do you think? I think it's quite challenging, but uh, we need to do some evidence gathering work. And like we work with the MOE and uh, um, now to conduct uh, a price subsidy to low sodium salt and to reduce the uh, low sodium salt to regular salt and to see the effect. And we will also combine the paper you mentioned and the all the effect together. I think we, we have to develop a a policy of a strategy, um, price, subsidy, uh, price subsidy digestion um, for the low sodium salt and uh, share with our partners as well as policy makers in the future and to advocate for a national better government-led um, price subsidies in future and then to lower the price of low sodium salt to let more people can use it and to benefit from it. Mei, you've been working with both the government and the China National Salt Company. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship between government and industry uh, in terms of salt manufacture and the, I guess, the opportunities that might present, but also the challenges? Yeah, I guess, you know, for the government, it's always conservative in terms of launching a new policy of endorsing a new program as the government needs to be 100% clear that's the new program without any, you know, risk. So I guess the government is not in an observer position for now. They are interested in the potassium-enriched salt, but in addition, they are also waiting for more emerging evidence that will prove the um, potassium urich salt is safe prior to any official endorsement. But on the other side, industry will be could be a, as a main driver of skewing up the potassium urich salt. As you just mentioned, Bruce, the potassium rich salt only takes less than 1% of the entire salt sales. And for the China salt, they have a strategic plan just being developed this year, and they aim to increase the current from less than 1% to about 30% in the next three years. So um, they are really ambitious that to skew up the sales of the potassium enriched salt. This is mainly because the um, the SARS trial result, but based on those evidence we generated, they are much more comfortable and confident that we'll increase the sales of the potassium enriched salt. So I guess, you know, both parties are really important for the future skew up, but we, and we need to engage both parties on a regular basis continuously. But I guess from the initial work, 
all the pilot work, perhaps the academics as well as the soft manufacturing, the industry will be a main driver to lead the potential skill up and provide more evidence back to the government to start discussions in terms of what will be the wider implications of the potassium rich salt. You've both spoken briefly about a scale-up sort of trial that you're doing in um, Heilongjiang province as a collaboration between you. Could you just talk very briefly, Mei, maybe first, what you're doing there and what you're trying to understand? Sure. So in our prior study, we clearly identified, as Zeng already indicated, there are many barriers to skew up the potassium rich source. So including the higher price, the limited availability, particularly in resource constraint settings, and the low awareness. People doesn't really know what is potassium rich salt, and people doesn't really know what is the potential benefits of using the potassium rich salt. So as Go, I think already just briefly mentioned, the Resolve to Save Life team developed a um, framework for successful skill up of the potassium rich salt from availability, awareness, affordability, and advocacy. So based on those background, we, as well as given the evidence generated from the SARS trial, we started a pilot implementation study in Heilongjiang province, as you just mentioned. We, in this study, we aim to test the effects of the interventions addressing all the core strategies in the framework on the sales amount of the potassium-enriched salt. So basically in this study, we designed as a factorial design, which means we have two different interventions. One intervention is health campaign program, and the other intervention is a price subsidy program. And we are going to test the effect of each intervention and the combined intervention on the sales amount of the potassium-enriched salt in four urban districts and the four urban counties in Heilongjiang province. So for now, we already completed the baseline and implemented intervention for almost two months, and we plan to uh, start writing up the study from the end of this month. But our baseline data suggested, despite most of the study participants knowing too much salt is bad, for health, it's bad for blood pressure, it's bad for cardiovascular diseases. But overall, there are only about 30% of the study participants actually heard of the potassium enriched salt. And among those who heard, less than 40% currently using the potassium enriched salt. And also, there was a really large disparity between the urban and the rural settings. There are only 30% 13% of the participants from the rural counties heard of the salt substitute versus about 40% of the participants from the urban settings. So from this pilot study, as we, have, we haven't really having the final results, but from the baseline data, we can clearly see there is a low awareness, low awareness of the salt, uh, potassium enriched salt, as well as there is a really large disparities from 
areas with developed resources versus areas with really constrained resources. So I guess there will be a lot of interesting work that can build on this study. And I wish that I can share more results uh, in the coming months when it's becoming available. Thanks, Maiyi. Um, Zhang, you're supporting that work that Maoyi is doing from Resolve to Save Lives. Have you got plans for other work addressing, I guess, uptake of potassium-enriched salt in China, or are you waiting to see how this first project goes? Well, we, we hope this project can address the barriers, including the affordability and the availability. So I think the one of advantage of the product is we have engaged many stakeholders, including government agencies and the salt industry, researchers and civil societies. So it's pragmatic, and we hope we can summarize the experience and share with our partners, and uh, as well as the policy makers for policy advocacy, and to address the affordability and the availability, then it will let more people to use it and uh, benefit from it. Thank you. We're getting close to the the end of the, the time that we've got. We've talked pretty much exclusively about China. Um, I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes at the end getting your thoughts about whether the, the results that you that we got from the, the SAS study, wh- what your thoughts are in terms of their likely generalizability to other countries, and also the, I guess, your thoughts about the practicalities of implementing salt substitutes, potassium-enriched salts in other countries. So maybe, Mai, I'll, I'll come to you first and just ask, what are your thoughts about the, the likely applicability of these findings outside of China? Sure. Thanks, Bruce. As we just briefly mentioned that uh, there is a CISPAC review and meta-analysis was just published one month ago. And in that CISPAC review, when we're analyzing about 21 trials in the past, focusing on the potassium enriched salt, we found there is a consistent benefit beneficial effects of the potassium-rich salt on blood pressure and regardless of the population subgroups or all the geographies. And we can also see there was a blood pressure-mediated effect on protecting the, the clinical outcomes as well uh, of using the potassium-rich uh, salt. So from that systematic review and meta-analysis, we can clearly see there might be a really good potential for the potassium-enriched source that can be generalizable other countries in other populations around the world, worldwide. And also, in addition to that, I guess the um, this back, the SARS results were generated from, from China, and the study participants were from China, uh, but there shares a lot of similarities in terms of the dietary patterns between China and other countries, where there is a really large amount of use of the discretional salt. And um, like, you know, like in the, within the region, uh, Korea, Japan, and other developing countries in the South America regions or in Africa, most of the dietary sodium were actually from the salt added during the cooking at home. 
So, you know, from the implementation perspective, there was also a really large potential for those countries can potentially switch their current regular salt to the potassium enriched salt to achieve the health benefits. So I guess overall, the SARS results was conduct uh, the SARS trial was conducted in China, but the implications of the results being generated from the SARS trial would be much more generalizable to other populations, regardless where people are from or which country people are from. So I guess there is a really big potential, and um, we we see some pilot implementation work in China as well. So I hope those uh, experience that we learned of implementing the uh, potassium enriched salt as a skill can be also be learned in the other countries when consider the potassium enriched salt as a population level salt reduction strategies. Thanks, Mei. Zeng, you, you, your organization, Resolve to Save Lives, is active in a number of countries uh, around the world. Are are there moves to look at salt substitute in any other countries than China at the moment? Sure. And you know, low-sodium salt is promoted in, uh, in India and Ethiopia uh, and other countries. For the rest of the countries, first safety issue is a global issue, not only limited in China. So the research should work together to develop a scientific consensus or template for one label. And uh, second, low sodium salt use alone is not enough to reduce salt intake to achieve WHO salt reduction target or China salt, reduc- uh, salt reduction target by 2030. And we should integrate it into uh, a comprehensive salt reduction strategy like in combination with the salt restrictive spoon use or salt container. And in addition to the home cooking, low sodium salt is also promising to be used in a restaurant and processed food and to reduce the salt, the source of salt from processed food. Thanks. Look, I think you're absolutely right. Salt, potassium-enriched salt, low-sodium salt is uh, is not going to be the the solution to the entire problem. I think you know the key the key advantage of potassium-enriched salt is that it's relatively easy to use and implement compared to many other uh, salt reduction interventions because you can basically just swap the potassium-enriched salt for the regular salt and use it in just the same way, whereas most other salt reduction interventions require you to make more substantive changes to behavior, lifestyle, and the like. So I think your point is um, is, is very well taken there. I would just like to, to wrap up by thanking Maui, um, thanking Zeng for their, their contributions, really insightful work that they're doing in China. And I think, as you heard from them, the, the potential to increase potassium-enriched salt sales from less than 1% to 30% could have enormous health implications. And if they were able to achieve that, it would be, I think, a standout uh, for public health in China and indeed um, a a, a signpost for the world in terms of the sorts of uh, things that, that can be achieved. So 
We um, at the George Institute thank them very much for their participation. We remain absolutely committed to exploring the potential for massive scale up of the use of um, potassium enriched salt uh, around the world. And if you're interested, um, if you've got thoughts, please don't hesitate uh, to be in touch with us. Thank you for listening to this deep dive on benefits of salt reduction. You may also like the scan's bite-sized episode on why eating less salt is important for heart health. Please visit the channel and subscribe to it so that you don't miss an episode.